You are listening to the Pro Ecclesia podcast from the Truett Church Network. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Well, welcome this morning, friends, or whenever you happen to be listening to this week's Pro Ecclesia podcast, hope it, uh, hosted by Truett Seminary and the Truett Church Network. Our guest today is Reverend Dr. Charlie Fuller. Um, Charlie, welcome. Glad you can be with us today. Glad to be here. Um, Charlie is a Truett grad and served in various churches in various capacities. Um, we'll just begin today by asking, Charlie, tell us a little, little bit about yourself. Well, the story uh, runs uh, basically like this. I'm a Baylor undergrad. I was a, a music teacher, a music professor. I did all the things you do uh, to do that. I was a choral director. I taught high school. I taught at a couple of universities. And I finished up at uh, Washtenaw Baptist University uh, in 2007. Uh, my last several years, uh, I was professor of music and uh, dean of the School of Fine Arts. And uh, what I was discovering in my last few years at Washtenaw is what I really enjoyed uh, the most were the one-on-one times I had in my mm. office uh, with students and, and with faculty, mm. uh, people coming in to visit with me about this, that, and the other. For some reason, um, they felt uh, drawn to come and visit with me about things that had nothing to do with Washtenaw, had nothing to do with music. And uh, uh, since that is maybe a little nudging from God that yeah. uh, maybe there's something else for me uh, for the second chapter of my life, and uh, God sort of released me to consider that, kind of nudged a little bit, said, maybe you want to think about this because you seem to enjoy this. There's something about you that that works with other people. And so um, I decided that I wanted to do clinical pastoral education, Mm. Uh, maybe work in a hospital and be a chaplain, maybe somewhere else. I was really pretty open to possibilities. But in order to do clinical pastoral education, you have to have seminary experience of some kind. And so um, in 2007, I met with David Garland and we had Mm. a wonderful visit and uh, he didn't uh, I uh, think I was out of my mind crazy to leave a dean's job. And so I left Washita, um, left in good graces, and I became a seminary student at Truett. And during my time at Truett, I did my mentoring in, in CPE. Um, I worked, uh, did a unit one summer at uh, Baptist Health uh, in Little Rock. Mm. Uh, worked then, uh, during that time and then afterwards, I worked as an oncology chaplain. I worked the, the cancer floor and visiting with people and doing wow. what chaplains do. Yeah. Um, and having a lots of one-on-one time with people. And then as I was leaving uh, Truett, uh, met uh, a friend of mine, we were undergrads together, and then Mike Godfrey, mm, yeah. who lives here in Waco. Yeah. He and I were visiting, and he was telling about his work as a coach, uh, his credential, his training as a personal coach. And, and um, that kind of intrigued me a little bit uh, because my objective was to do, you know, working one-on-one with people. And so I'm looking for ways to build that skill set. And uh, so then I graduated and um, went to become the minister for congregational life at Second Baptist Church in Little Rock. And um, eventually, uh, pretty soon after that, uh, I did coach training. And when I was there, they let me do some more uh, CPE training. Mm. I worked. Uh, I spent in total a year on the cancer floor at Baptist wow, Health in yeah. Little Rock. And then I uh, did coach training and uh, began to coach people as a part of my ministry in Little Rock. Um, so I've, I've been coaching now for about uh, about ten years, maybe okay. maybe eleven yeah. altogether, um, on and off. Uh, we put it in my job description in Little Rock, yeah. and so I coached. Uh, I did some hallway coaching. <laughs> I did uh, uh, coaching about all kinds of different things. I, I remember one time I coached somebody about road rage. 
Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, people came and they just they wanted to explore you know, that process. They were mostly curious about it. And so, you know, the, the coaching began to take root in my life. And then I decided I wanted to do some more work in pastoral care and those kinds of things. And so I, I did the D-Men at uh, Baptist Theological Seminary Richmond. Yeah. And my D-Men project uh, was a study of coaching and ministers. Hmm. Uh, so I've done, I've done a pretty deep dive yeah. uh, on the value of coaching for ministers and, and what it means and what ministers uh, find that helps them with co- uh, how coaching helps them. Um, so that's uh, that's been you know really core to the second life of mine is yeah. doing coaching. Mostly, I've done it informally. Um, yeah. You know, I've been uh, coaching conversations that I've had that um, I didn't always log them into my coaching log, or ways that I used coaching and my coach skills in different projects that I've done as a minister. And uh, in 2016, uh, my wife Cindy and I left and we moved to Washington D.C. I yeah. became the executive pastor at First Baptist Church there. And during that time, I, I used my coaching skill set constantly supervising staff and working with committees yeah. and, and um, you know, using the listening skills that I had and uh, from my coach training there. But I, I did very little, you know, formal coaching. Uh, yeah. I just didn't have time yeah. uh, while I was there dealing with those challenges. And then in uh, 2019, um, you know, uh, retirement sort of loomed for me. And um, uh, mostly because, uh, you know, our kids live in Plano. Uh, Both our daughters are there. Our grandkids are all there. And my wife was a little bit tired of the city. And so, (laughs) uh, you know, God speaks in a multitude of ways. He does. And so uh, uh, we left Washington, D.C. in 2019 and and moved back to the Southwest. Uh, I'm from Arkansas originally. And and so we were trying to decide, you know, where we would land. and, And while we were you know, sort of juggling all those different options, trying to decide, you know, where it was we needed to land. Do we need to land in Little Rock or in Plano? Uh, Lakeshore Baptist Church called. Mm. And uh, they asked me to come and be their transition pastor. And so we spent a season there. And and during that season, it just seemed right that we plant in Waco. And uh, to be honest, uh, we're we're glad to be here. Uh, It has uh, turned out to be the right move for us. uh, my wife, Cindy, is the organist slash pianist at Lakeshore, and, and they love her, and she loves uh, that part of her ministry. And, um, you know, and so it, it, other things have opened up for me here, and, and one of which is I'm starting to you know, rebuild my coaching practice. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of our story in a nutshell. Uh, well, great. I'm 65, yeah. so yeah. if I can tell it that quickly, <laughs> I, I, I've probably accomplished something. As well done. And you and I met at a transitional pastor training i think uh, we i heard your name and known uh-huh. of you uh-huh. met at some events through the years yeah. i think but we spent a few days together in nashville oh gosh, yes. two or three years ago yeah, now we really that. got to hang out yeah, at, that was the fall of 2019 that was um, that's that, right yeah. that was after lakeshore had asked me to come but yeah I started yeah. and right before the world fell apart oh, and yeah, so yeah, or everything fun. flipped upside down and uh, and have appreciated your friendship since being able to meet there and um, in a recent lunch and visit, we got to talking about coaching. And I thought, oh, well, this would be a great discussion. So some listening probably have a pretty good grasp of coaching, may be coaches or have received coaching or in a coaching relationship. Others are just thinking about football season, you know, and yeah. saying, what in the world? How does this apply to ministers? So can you just maybe do the quick unpack on what is professional coaching in particular for ministers and how that works? 
but coaching is a is a process. It's uh, almost the opposite of athletic coaching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're an athlete, uh, your coach is constantly telling you exactly what to do. Yeah. Um, and in the the coaching process, uh, professional or personal coaching, uh, some call it life coaching. Um, it's you all you're doing the opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, you're joining in with your uh, your client or your coachee. Uh, and basically just walking alongside them on the journey. Um, you know, a, a coach, uh, the, the, the trick, tricky thing with coaching is, is that anyone can claim to be a coach. Uh, you can put a web page up or a shingle out on your door and call yourself a life coach <laughs> and start getting clients immediately. Uh, and, but it's a, it is a profession that is in its infancy. Uh, it's still in process. Uh, there is uh, there are multiple accrediting uh, organizations, uh, the most prominent of which and the one that I'm uh, accredited by is the International Coach Federation. Okay. And there are standards, uh, there are training, there's specific training involved uh, to be a good coach. Um, and there is actually uh, evaluation um, you know, to be credentialed by International Coach Federation. You have to actually turn in a recording of yeah. a coaching call where they evaluate it and uh, tell you what you did well and, and what you could improve on. And you have to meet a certain set of standards, uh, a yeah. rubric uh, for each of those calls for the different various levels of accreditation as a coach. Um, so it's the real deal. Um, when I was uh, a young faculty member you know, at Washita and a typical cynical faculty member, and I heard about coaching, <laughs> I, I thought, oh, this is just silly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, coaching uh, in the media is kind of like opera. It's easy to make fun of it. Yeah. Uh, and it gets made fun of a lot. But it, the more I studied and learned about coaching and the more I learned about uh, the neuroscience behind it, the biology mm. behind it. Uh, there have been um, brain scan studies done with coaching to show how it works and how it changes, you know, the way we reframe things. Um, the more I learned about how the, basically this, the spiritual and the biblical, yeah. uh, you know, um, validity for it. Um, it's it's just out there. And now I, yeah. now I can't look anywhere without seeing a, a coaching situation. And there's kind of some overlap, like with spiritual direction. I mean, Absolutely. There are, there's some yeah. similar components, correct? There, yeah, there's an incredible overlap. I was with a spiritual director just last week, yeah. and, and she and I were talking about, you know, all the different parallels between spiritual direction and coaching. Uh, they don't totally overlap, but yeah. uh, I, if you're a faith-based coach, there's an awful lot yeah. of overlap because you ask a lot of the same kinds of questions. Uh, but to get to the core of coaching, coaching is asking questions. Hmm. Um, coaching is not mentoring. Uh, mentoring is someone who has already done what you're seeking to do and gives you advice. Uh, coaching is not therapy. Uh, therapy tends to look backward and seeing how a person's story is and uh, how it works and um, you know how their how they, their personality has been formed yeah. and how they deal with that in this point of part of their life. Uh, but coaching it looks forward. Uh, coaching is what what are you going to do in the future how are you going to deal with all that and and a coach um, just ask those questions yeah um a coach never gives advice um maybe occasionally in certain you know settings but but the core of coaching is not giving advice and the reason for that is is that if uh, if i sit with you and i tell you what you should do you should do a you should be b you should you do c number one you don't own that solution yeah you don't own it. It isn't yours. And because you don't own it, you're much less likely to act on those things because they're not yours. Yeah. They didn't come from within you. The other beauty of coaching is that through those questions, the brain reframes an issue. 
we all know we get stuck on something sometimes. And that, you know, getting stuck is also at the, at the core of coaching. Yeah. Everybody gets stuck. You know, you don't have to be broken to need a coach. All you have to do mm. is be human. Yeah. Because we all get stuck in different places. You know, I, one of my favorite uh, YouTube videos is Bill Gunnick's talking about he doesn't do, make any decision without his coach. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like Bill Gates, and you know, we could probably find lots of other yeah. folks who, who use a coach. You know, massive corporate executives over massive corporations, you know, use coaches. Yeah, um, and so why don't the rest of us? Yeah, you know, um, it's scriptural. You know, two are better than one. You know, all that kind of thing, and and so it's, um, but it's it's a very healthy process, um, and it's uh, you know a lot of people just need a safe space to yeah. think through stuff. The other thing about coaching is, is that the, the assumption of coaching is that we all have giftedness within us that we that we can use to decide mm-hmm. how to move forward, you know, but but we get locked up in it. Yeah, we can't see it because we're too close to it. And what a coach can do through effective questioning and, and conversation and mostly yeah. just by being there yeah. can help that person to unlock that, to see themselves in ways they've never seen themselves before. And what's more spiritual than that? Yeah. Because yeah. who sees us better than Jesus? Well, I've done a little bit of receiving some coaching in spiritual direction, both. And what both of them forced me to do, A, the conversation was incredible. Having someone, fo- this is going to sound self-absorbed, and it is self-absorbed, but focused on you where their role in that is, mm-hmm. is to be discerning and asking questions and to see intersections. It also, in the weeks leading up to it, forced me to think about what was going on, knowing I was going to have to talk mm-hmm. about this and answer, even just the knowing it was coming was helpful. But I have found them in my life and incredibly helpful. And I, as you said, I think any leader, um, particularly as you get tired and, and stretched thin, but hopefully before that, yeah. could receive some coaching or have someone in your life playing that role officially or unofficially to help you uh, make healthier decisions and think through things and examine all aspects of decisions and problems yeah. and things like that. You yeah. mentioned, you, know, you talked about being self-absorbed yeah. and, and I would tell you it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because that, that self that you have, God is putting it to use. And what, what better kind of self-care is there than yeah. have someone sit with you and, and, and build into your future and how you're going to move forward. Um, one of the best pastoral care books I read, and this is while I was at Trip. Um, made the point that in pastoral care, when we're, when we're trying to care for someone, you know, whether it's in a hospital room or in the hallway or in a, in a minister's office, the best gift we can give that person is to let them control the conversation mm-hmm. that we're having with them. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what a coach yeah. does. You know, the client is always in control of the conversation. Yeah. Um, I might make a suggestion to a coach and, you know, you might, or to a client, you might think about doing this or you might consider that. But I, I never tell a client this is what they ought to do. Yeah. And very, very seldom, unless it's just, you know, they're going to, you know, go drive off a cliff or something. And say, <laughs> I, I won't say, you might not want to do that. I'll yeah. say, you shouldn't do that. But, <laughs> you know, that's that's the exception yeah. to the rule because yeah. the, the way the brain works, people need to choose yeah. where they go in the conversation. You know, coaching is a lot like, if you're familiar with it, the Quaker uh, discernment group. Yeah, you know, Quaker Clearness Committee. Clearness yeah. Committee, yeah, the Quaker Clearness yeah. Committee. And those, I love those stories. You yeah. Know, um, where a person, if they're, you know, they're with a group of people who do nothing but ask questions. Yeah. 
And through that process, you know, the Quakers had already discovered this before we had the brain, you know, psychology <laughs> and the biology yeah. to see, you know, more about it. But and I, and I, I just love that about it. You know, I think there's so much in Scripture that's yeah. it's just so valid that that ancient people discovered through experience, and then then we validate that yeah. with research. You know? Well, and we've offered that to pastors numerous times here, where tough decisions, transition decisions, mm-hmm. do we stay, you know, new opportunities, or just where we'll gather three or four friends. Mm-hmm. And if you're unfamiliar with Quaker Clearness Committee, it, the way I've understood it, at least, which is imperfect at best, is the person with the decision to make or a problem comes in, lays it out very thoroughly, very completely. No one interrupts, no one interjects. Um, and then pretty much your, your quote unquote committee, all they can do is ask questions, not give advice. Mm-hmm. And it's helping the person but in, in a uh, relationships of trust and affection and love and, you know, hoping for mutual well-being. And uh, we, we've just we've offered that a few times kind of to people and, and each time has been um, deeply meaningful. Yeah. And, and it worked. I mean, for lack of a better for lack of a better thing, it's not about the success, but it worked. It helped them come mm-hmm. to a decision that I think have proven to be the right decisions for yeah. them. And um, well, that's really helpful. Well, um, yeah. one little interjection yeah. to follow up on what sure. you're just saying is that in my study, my DMN study, uh, I, uh, I uh, did a qualitative study and I got the input of a whole set of ministers who had been coached. And then I got a whole set of coaches who had coached ministers and I combined yeah. all that data. But, but one of the most moving quotes I had in all of that was a pastor whose name many of you would recognize and confidence in the study shared uh, not only would they not still be a minister mm. if they didn't have a coach, but they might not still be a Christian. Mm. Uh, yeah. So uh, this can be really powerful for people. Yeah. Uh, not just to help them be more effective, but just to help them be a better human, yeah. and, uh, a better believer, a better minister. Um, just well, yeah. not being alone. Yeah. Because ministers do so much of their work alone. That's wonderful. And even as a skill to offer others as well. I mean, Absolutely. there's both sides of that um, to learn the art of question asking, mm-hmm. of being present in conversations without having to be the expert or give the, those are uh, like, those are wonderful skills to develop Mm -hmm. as a minister. So you've done some on, um, we're going to kind of transition this conversation to talk about transition, ministry transition um, a little bit and helping people walk Mm -hmm. through that. Um, But you've done some specifically on retirement coaching, helping people face retirement. Uh, how, How did you get into that? And what kind of unique challenges are brought on um, in helping someone process that important decision as a lot of people are facing that? Yeah. Well, the first many years of my coaching are probably still now. I'm just kind of a, whatever you want to bring to me to coach about, we'll coach about. But what has happened because of my age and because of my peer group um, through the years, I've I've had several uh, friends and ministers and academics uh, come to me to coach specifically about retirement. Hmm. You know, retirement is, is uh, there's no one size fits all for retirement. <laughs> yeah. uh, we all know that if you're, if you're over 50, you may ought to be thinking about it a little bit, you know, and certainly if you're approaching 60, you know, it, it becomes this shadow kind of yeah. hanging over you, you know, and there's so many questions about retirement. Um, and so I, I did, I just seen that need um, people bring to me, uh, you know, if you, if you want to, reti- if you want to talk to me about, 
um, the financial part of retirement, I'm going to send you to a financial advisor. Yeah. I, I'm not an expert in that, nor do I want to be an expert in that. <laughs> um, and that's certainly one of the pieces of this. But I would tell you as coach that it is probably not the most important piece. Yeah. Uh, the most important piece of retirement, you know, when you bring to me the questions of when and how and, you know, do I do I do a, a sudden, you know, quit and just walk away or do I do some kind of ramp, you know, ramp it yeah. down, move to a different mode or a different you know, role in my organization? Um, you know, what do I do in retirement? You know, I'm going to retire. I'm going to leave full time you know, ministry or full time employment. Then what am I going to do in retirement? All of those questions are important. Yeah. And they they need to be framed properly and, and maybe reframed so that you can think about them in different ways. But ultimately, the retirement questions go down to identity. Mm. They go, who, who, who have you been and who am I going to be? You know, and I'll be honest, this was a part of my struggle as well and, yeah. and continues to be. You know, if I'm not a minister, then who am I? Mm. Um, and that's important to prepare for. And it's an important question to ask. Um, you know, if I'm not going to be a minister at this place or in this tribe or whatever, then what am I going to do? Am I going to, how am I going to do ministry or do I, am I still called to ministry? Yeah. So there are calling questions involved in that. You know, what am I called to do in retirement? And so basically the, the kinds of things I maybe suggest to my um, you know, coaching clients is who have you been to this point? Mm. You know, you've spent, you know, a big chunk of your life, maybe not all of it, maybe, you know, like me, I, I consider myself a minister all my adult life, yeah. even though I was a musician minister yeah. before and a professor teaching minister before. And now I'm a you know minister in a church since, since uh, 2007. But that, that identity piece is so important because that's, what's going to carry you forward yeah. into the, the next chapter of your life. In in a way, it's sort of like a, a philosophy of life. Um, the philosophy word is maybe a little too frangible, but yeah, it is. You know, how do you look at life? And and I think the word we use as ministers is calling. Yeah, you know, it's the calling word. Um, even when I was a music teacher, uh, training music educators in my first life, one of the first things I or one of the things I always focused on with my students was having a philosophy of music education. What is it that you're trying to do yeah. as a music teacher? Mm. Because that's what's going to get you through the dry times, through the down yeah. times. And I would say the same thing for ministers, you know, heading toward retirement and, and getting into retirement. Who is it that you are? Yeah. What is it that what is it that gives you joy? What is it that makes your heart sing? Yeah. And what are those kinds of things? And how can you continue to do that in a different role, in a different way in your retirement? Or yeah. maybe God's calling you to do something totally different, you know, and that can be true too. You know, so how do you know what God's calling you to do? Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of a universal Christian answer for the, for the, to be the truth, uh, to yeah. be truthful about it. Uh, and we can get into, you yeah, know, we'll transition that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. You get into Ignatian spirituality yeah. and how do we find the will of God and all of that. But, yeah. but I think to do it specifically about retirement, um, yeah, there are all those things that, that, that clutter up the yeah. decision. You know, how am I going to have enough money? You know, what about my spouse? Is it, are they ready to retire? Yeah. What are we going to do? Where are we going to live? Do we have kids? Do we have grandkids? Yeah. You know, how are we going to be a support to them? There's just so many different questions. It, it can be really helpful, I think, to have a coach yeah. to help you cut through the clutter. You know, I when I left Truett, went to pastor in Marble Falls outside of Austin, which is largely or not largely, but a large retirement population. A lot of people retired to Marble Falls and our church was predominantly 
say 60 to 80, you know, um, of folks that retired early to come live on the lake and fish and play golf or any number of things. And uh, I was shocked. I was 26. So yeah, I was still in that mode of you, you work really hard so that you can retire mm -hmm. and retirement's the dream. We're all working for retirement in some ways. And if you looked at, you know, saving and how compensation packages are, you know, structured, you could fall into that very, that really the point of this is to get to retirement and maybe to get retirement as quickly as possible. And those that can retire early are therefore more successful than those that don't. Um, but I was shocked how many of them were miserable in retirement. And because they had been working for this and their identity was wrapped up in many things, but in particular, your title, your job, what you do, but as much as that, what you do every day. Um, and then that stops and you're told this is supposed to be the most joyful time. And you don't, golf's great. I love golf. It's not an existence. It's not an identity, you know, um, fishing or whatever it is. And there was tremendous struggle with that. And the most unhappy were the pastors. Yeah. <laughs> Or, excuse me, or the retired pastors that just couldn't figure out, separate calling from the job, the title, um, and they had such a hard time. So what an incredible gift to give that. And uh, um, yeah, any other thoughts? I mean, that, that, I think starting with identity and not the financial question seems really important. Um, and uh other factors in that, questions that kind of you're asking um, to help people process through that decision? Well, I, you know, my favorite question is always, where is God in this? Mm, you yeah. know, all, all questions lead to that if I'm, <laughs> for yeah. me, you know, and, and so I think that's a that's a key question. You know, where do you find God in this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, retire. And guy says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to quit and I'm going to play golf all day long. You know, I'm going to get to the where is God in this question yeah. more quickly than yeah. And other other yeah. kinds of things. Um, a lot of people, a lot of my, my best clients, to be honest, have already thought about some of these yeah. things. And, and they've realized that I have found great purpose um, in my in my life and who I am. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed being a minister. Maybe I've been a lifelong minister. You know, maybe I've been a music minister and I love doing music. Yeah. You know, how can I continue to do that kind of thing? Another question that my clients ask themselves, how can I serve those who are coming behind? behind? Mm, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, it's not a question I ask them. It's one that they yeah. need to come up yeah. with. But uh, it's it's out there a lot. It comes yeah. up a lot. Um you know, how can I still be of service? Yeah. My, my best clients, you know, have, have done some of that work yeah. already when they come to me. Yeah. Um, you know, how can I, you know, that, that ramp to, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of ministers and academics who are most of the people I coach, um, they've usually got some kind of a transition plan. They're going to, yeah. you know, they're not going to just quit. Yeah. You know, like an academic is a, administrator they're going to you know move what a mentor of mine used to say go back up to the classroom yeah you know, they're yeah. going to spend their last years teaching and then gradually fade out and then the ministers you know maybe they've been a music minister or they become a senior adult minister yeah or you know some of those kinds of things yeah that that gradually ease them because they can still get to do some of what has fed yeah. them yeah because i think one of the things we our culture doesn't do a very good job. A culture does a great job of, of being incredibly uh, and overly individualistic, mm -hmm. um, which fights against coaching. Yeah, uh, that's another rant I could go on to just a little bit because we've we've got this idea in our culture that we all we've all raised ourselves up by our own bootstraps, <laughs> which is just garbage. Yeah, and so 
we and this idea that we have to be broken to go get help. Yeah. And that's just not true. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to be broken before I get a coach. Well, yeah, really not. Yeah. You know, you're going through what everybody else is going through. Why not, you know, go through it with somebody, you know, yeah. walking beside you. But but back to the retirement piece specifically, um, you know, that that our culture doesn't do a very good job of helping us value what we do in terms of the finances. Yeah. Finances. And so, like you were saying, yeah. you know, is the goal in life to see how much money I can make so I can see how early I can retire. Well, you know, and then people are miserable, yeah. you know. Um, but what I think we can do as ministers and what we can do as coaches kind of reinforce this idea that, you know, God doesn't stop working with us. Yeah. God doesn't stop needing us to bring the kingdom of God to earth just because we're no longer uh, a vocational ministry, yeah. maybe, you know, we're not getting paid for it anymore. Yeah. Um, I read a great book uh, this spring uh, by a Methodist bishop whose wife had uh, severe dementia for mm. 11 years. Mm. And so his book was about how do we, um, what's the value of, how do we find value in people who have dementia? What is their ministry? Mm. Yeah, you know, really, it was something I hadn't ever oh, thought yeah. about, and it's it's really difficult, and I, I can't summarize it in a way that gives does does it justice. But the, the point was is that even a person in severe dementia has a ministry, and that ministry is providing an opportunity for others to minister to them. Mm. Um, mm. That's profound. And so, if you think about a person who's yeah. who's in in severe dementia, what about all the rest of us that are not yeah. at that point? Maybe we, maybe our knees are creaky and maybe, you know, the yeah. eyes are going and, you know, but we still have purpose yeah. in God's kingdom. And, and our culture doesn't do a good job of helping yeah. people figure that out. And a coach can do yeah. that, can, can help, you know, help reveal and, what God would have them do to give them yeah. purpose in life. And that's just a good lesson at every stage. I mean, what you and I are doing in our ministry is not the way we served the kingdom of God when we were eight years old. And yet, well, I don't know your full story, Charlie, but for me, I was, I was the recipient of my parents' love. I was singing in the church choir. I was, I was doing things, right? I was participating in this kingdom life. And that changes as you get older. And that will continue to change some in every season of life. And that, that continues on. Um, but the renegotiation of that and the discerning of that Certainly, it's difficult. Uh, well, I, you know, I wanted to talk about this in part because so many pastors, I think, are considering retirement as the average age of, of pastors, particularly since 08, has gone up. You know, or people are staying in it longer, um, and we're we're visiting a lot uh, with pastors about that. And I thought this would be helpful. I also know the pastors listening and others listening um, have moms and dads and congregation members and friends going through that similar process or will be at some point discerning when is that right time. My own parents just retired this last year. Um, and so to have some other sort of uh, quivers, <laughs> yeah. arrows in the quiver to be able to help people that we love process that or resources to point them to, right. to do that would be helpful. Um, I want to transition a little bit just to, we're going through what many are calling the great resignation. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of now popular it's, I think it's pretty much cross-discipline. It seems like a lot of transition going on um, in vocation or just in particular jobs and different things. We're certainly facing it uh, in ministry. 
just in our placement office here, our the number of churches coming to us with open spots. I don't actually, we will have over 600 churches come to us this year directly for help in the ministry search, which is not quite double pre-pandemic, but it's probably up from 400 to 600. And we may hit 700 with uh, the increases recently. Um, so are there lessons applicable for pastors and leaders facing ministry transition in other phases of life? So we've talked about retirement, but a lot of us that aren't at retirement stages, there's some uniqueness to retirement. There's some other that's probably pretty universal. Um, yeah, just for those considering walking away, for those considering changing careers, for those considering retiring, or just saying, man, I just, I just want to change churches. Yeah. What advice would you give them or insight as they consider what God is doing in their life and ministry? Well, I, I, well, I won't give any insight because I, I don't know everybody's situation. Yeah. I mean, that's a typical coach response. <laughs> but, but, I, but I will say that here's what coaching can do for yeah. you if you're in that position. I think coaching can help you dive into what you're doing. Yeah. Who are you? Um, and I, I would say this also, uh, in this era of, of pandemic, in this era of divisiveness in the culture, and uh, it's really, really hard right now uh, to be a human. Mm. It's really, really hard right now to be a parent. And it's really, really hard right now to be a minister. Yeah. And because it's so difficult, I think our in, in part of this culture thing that we get so caught up in our emotions, I think we get disconnected sometimes from some of our core values because mm -hmm. we're just so overwhelmed with information, with stress, with, you know, unprecedented stuff yeah. in our lives um, and in the lives of the people that we care for, our family and our churches if we're ministers. And I think that what a coach could do for that is, is help you recenter yeah. on what's really important and so that we can stay uh, I'll use a, a CPE word so we can stay more self-differentiated yeah. from the chaos that's swirling around us and continue to find purpose yeah. in what God's calling is for us when there, uh, there's all this stuff distracting yeah. us. We say, I just can't take any more of this. And I think that's a lot of what's going on. Yeah. I just can't take any more of this. And so we leave our calling and we go sell shoes or, or whatever, just because I've just got to get, I've got to get some relief. Yeah. And the relief might come in a different way, and you might be able to to stay more connected to your calling, yeah, and not have to figure out a new one, yeah. Um, so I I really think that's pretty much what coaching can yeah. do for people. Um, that what I think you know, people yeah. seem to need. I haven't coached a lot of people right now doing going through that kind of transition, but I have in the yeah. past, uh, yeah. and so I'm thinking that probably the issues that my coaching clients have had in the past are simply amplified. Now. Yeah, I think so. Um, and that's what, uh, with Dr. Jack Bodenhammer, who runs our ministry connections office and myself dealing with, while I am not a trained coach, you end up doing something like coaching. Right. You know, I would not claim to be a coach, but when people call and have things going on, but, uh, if you're considering ministry transition, get a coach or a spiritual director yeah. is what I would say. Uh, one or the other, they're not synonymous, but they they provide similar yeah. to just help you process the why of the search, the mm -hmm. why of the transition to cut through, help you cut through some of the extraneous things that may be, and, and it may come down the right decision. Yeah. Um, if people wanted to contact you, um, how could they reach you, Charlie, about coaching help? Well, at this point in time, I have a, a 
uh, clunky uh, old website that's in the process of being uh, updated, uh, but uh, eventually uh, you'll be able to reach me at charliefuller.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but until then, uh, my website is a journey together. It's a journey together. Journey together yeah. Okay. Right. So that's me. Fantastic. We also work with Center for Healthy Churches, which right. I know you're a part you of, that can provide there. coaching. Um, and Jack Bodenhammer, uh, who runs our Ministry Connections office, has a uh, uh, cohort where he he did his DMIN project on this. We'll visit with him next month on uh, using the Psalms, um, the Psalms, to help process through the why of your transition of why are you looking for something else. Um, as and kind of runs that as a cohort. We'll be launching a couple of those in the fall. So if you're interested, you can reach out to us. Um, Charlie, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your work and for your friendship. And, uh, and we, yeah, we appreciate you being with us. Friends, thank you for joining us today. Uh, know that your friends at Truett are praying for you and your ministries and what you're going through um, and are here to be a friend to you however we can. Uh, blessings on your week and in your ministry. Bye-bye. <laughs>